We've been in a series called Champion. I just mentioned that. I'm going to put some icons up on the screen. We started a couple weeks back talking about the bread and the cup in a sermon that I titled Champion at the Table. I talked about the Last Supper and how Jesus took the bread and he took the cup and then he instituted what he called a new covenant where he said the old covenant is passing away where we have to earn our salvation through our works and through our duty. And Jesus institutes a new covenant in his blood where he does the work for us. And by faith in him, we receive that blood. We receive his works. We, his, his life is then imputed for us, right? Where, that where we can find our new identity in this savior and be made free. And we talked about how he's the champion at the table. And then we moved into Palm Sunday last week. We called it a champion on a donkey. How Jesus rides in on a donkey. He doesn't choose to ride in on a horse. He doesn't have to come and tell everybody that he's the king. He can actually ride in on a donkey and still be king. Jesus came to save with humility. Jesus came to touch hearts before he touched hands. And we see him do that on the first ever Palm Sunday. On Friday, we celebrated at Good Friday, and we talked about champion on the cross. How Jesus is even a champion on the tree, where he looks at sinful people and he says, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then he sheds his blood in their place and he says, it is finished. And he meant it. Amen. Amen. Jesus finishes what he starts. He's the same God. Well, today we get to see that more in completion as I get a chance to talk about a sermon that I'm titling champion over the grave, champion over the grave. And I want us to lean into the Easter message here today. And I want us to try to put ourselves in those final days after Jesus has died. Now we're on Sunday we're figuring out what happened, and this is where we land in Luke chapter 24. So if you're ready, say ready. ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. let's eat. Come on, the sermons here at Walk Church are a little bit more of a dialogue than a monologue. So if you're uncomfortable, lean into the uncomfortability, all right? You're around good people. We're going to lean in. We're going to talk back a little bit, and we're going to grow deeper in the word. If you're ready, say ready. ready. Well, Father, right now we're ready. Our appetites are set. We want to learn from your word. So Jesus... Uh, reveal yourself clearly through your word. Illuminate your word to us in fresh ways right now as we read Luke 24. Help us now, we ask your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Luke 24, starting in verse 1. Come on, I, I'm, I'm the type of guy that likes to look at the pictures in the books. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm an image learner. and Maybe y'all are like that too. Put yourself in the story. Breathe the air. See the tomb. Here we go. Verse 1. But on the first day of the week... At early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? Can y'all help me out with verse six? He is not here. Come on, run it back one more time. He is not. For the people in the back, one more time. He is not here. Amen? Come on, let's keep on reading that verse. But has risen. I want us to get that deep in our soul today. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, crucified on the third day rise? And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. 
Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Can I just take a quick pause and just shout out all the women of God in the house today? Come on. We are so thankful for our ladies. I think it's so interesting, if I could just take a quick liberty, to just highlight the fact that it wasn't the disciples that showed up on Easter Sunday. It wasn't the religious elite that showed up. Come on. It was Joanna. It was Mary Magdalene. It was Mary, the mother of James. And shout out to all the other women, too, who actually believed Jesus would get up. James and John are sleeping. They are they up early, saying, oh, he said on the third day, one, two, three, today's the day. We're up. Is it up? Is he up? Right? So they're there. And so they see he's not in there. The stone has been rolled away. So they went and actually told the apostles the good news. Right? Verse 11. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. They did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. The text says that he saw the linen cloths by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. Why, why is Peter isolated here? Well, because in the previous chapter... You find Peter, right, denying that he even knows Jesus. At one point in time, he walked on water. He said, Jesus, you are the Christ. Peter said, Jesus took, looked, looked at Peter and said, that was given to you from the Spirit. And another point, Peter doesn't even know his name. So Peter was ashamed. Peter was broken. And then he got wind that, you know what, he might get a second chance. I wonder if Peter thought, I wonder if I'll ever see him again to make it right. And then the ladies showed up and brought him good news and said, look, he is not here. He's up. He's up. And then Peter said, I got to go. <laughs> Peter got an Uber. I don't know what he did. He got a camel. Take me to the tomb. I need to go see for myself. The cloths were in there. Now, this stone that got rolled away was not just any ordinary stone. This was a heavy stone. Jesus is able to move anything. Amen. We see this happening in the text. What happens next is very interesting that I want us to to try to get hold of today because we see these two individuals taking a walk. Let's continue to read. If, if, you, if you're ready to keep going, say keep going. All right, verse 13. That very day, same day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Verse 16. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. I just want to... Hold on a second. Wait. So these two dudes are going on this walk. They're about seven miles away from Jerusalem. They're having a discussion about all the things that just happened. What just happened? Holy Week just happened. Jesus instituted the Last Supper. Jesus died on the cross. And everybody thought that he was going to be the Messiah who was going to reign and, and, and redeem Israel. And now he's being murdered by these Roman officials. And it was high priests and Caiaphas and Herod and Pontius Pilate, this whole regime to crucify the Savior, and they're talking about that. And while they're talking, Jesus decides, come on, sneaky Jesus, amen? <laughs> sneaky Jesus just, hey, what, what y'all talking about? Let me take a walk with you. Their eyes were kept from recognizing him, verse 17. And he said to them, what is this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? <laughs> this is hilarious. And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. 
and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. Verse 21, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Verse 22, moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision from angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, now Jesus is listening to all that. Hmm, interesting. How about that? Jesus speaks back to them, oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus says, look, guys, let me help you all out. Pull out your Bibles. Jesus says, we don't have a little Bible study. Let's start with Moses. And Jesus says, I was there. He says, keep on reading a little bit. Look, look, look at Daniel. I was in the fire there. Take a look at Jacob when he had that wrestling match outside. That was me. That was me. Right? Jesus starts to point all the different places. You know that moment where Joshua was going to cross over the river, and then he saw this beautiful face, the face of God? That was me. And Jesus begins to show in the Old Testament all the places that he revealed himself. And yet, these brothers still didn't get it. Come on, if, if we should keep going, somebody say keep going. Keep going. Come on, we got to get in the word today. Verse 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying... Stay with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is now far spent. I love what's happening here. We'll dig a little bit deeper, but Jesus is on the move, right? He's got places to go, people to see. He's going to reveal himself, and if you're not with it, he's going to move past you. But if you're open, he'll stay with you, right? Stay with us, for it is it's toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So, I love this, he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table, when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Verse 31, and their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. <laughs> what a moment. What? They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. They even wanted to highlight, and he even revealed himself to Simon. Like, you know, Simon Peter, right? Like that cat? Jesus even found him. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the champion over the grave, Amen. I want to reveal a couple things from this large chunk of scripture. If you're a part of the Walk Church family, you know we move slowly through the Bible. We, we feel like every word proves true, and we want to kind of a wet rag. We want to wring out all the gems out of each text. We're not going to do an exhaustive study of this, but I do believe that there's four revelations that are found in Luke chapter 24 that could apply for our lives when it comes to Jesus is alive. So I want to help you with the first one. All right, let me, everybody say number one. Number one, Jesus is alive, and he's with us. Somebody felt that. Someone in the back said, yeah, because you know how important that is. I mean, it's one thing for Jesus to be alive. That's good. But Jesus is alive, and he's with me? That's even better. Right? If Jesus is alive, and he's somewhere in Jerusalem, and you got to take a plane and spend 100 bucks to see him, that, that's not as cool 
as the fact that he's actually with me wherever I go. He's actually with us here in this room. He's here right now. He is alive and he is with us and he's moving. And some of you are sensing he's moving in my life right this moment. And he's moving into the championship role of my life. And that's a great place to to be. I love in the text we see Jesus alive and we see him with these two men. Let's go ahead and look at it in Luke chapter 24. It says, that very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. It was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And if I could just take a moment and talk about this first verse in verse 13, I think there's some things that we need to just remember and could be helpful. Because the resurrection of Jesus is the, is the crux by which our faith is built upon. The resurrection of Christ is the cornerstone for our faith. If you remove the resurrection, the whole thing falls. And scholars and historians have been working hard for centuries to try to disprove the resurrection, all to fall short. And there's so many weird, can I just say that, weird theories out there as to what actually happened 2,000 years ago on the cross. Instead of just believing what actually happened, the credible eyewitness sources that have been recorded for us, and we have copies upon copies that verify and validate the resurrection of Jesus. Instead of actually leaning into that, there are these weird theories. Like, I remember learning about a theory in college on how scholars, I mean, I read this a scholarly work on how scholars believe that Jesus didn't actually die on the cross. I mean, he was crucified, yes. He even had a spear pierced through his side. But then when he was moved into the tomb, he wasn't actually dead. He was just really, really beaten up. And then somehow he radically, magically moved the stone, and then he moved to Paris. Never to be seen again. I was like, wait, are we supposed to take that? Wait, what? What just happened? Or another, another theory that has gotten a lot of notoriety and popular. You know, Jesus didn't actually die. I mean, he was really beaten up bad. I mean, he did get crucified. That's pretty tough stuff. And then he... Then he did get buried in the grave, but the disciples around midnight, they snuck over to the grave. They pushed the stone away. They kidnapped Jesus. They helped him get back to life, and then he married Mary Magdalene and disappeared. Somebody said that was goofy. Listen, one of the reasons why I like verse 13, because I feel like verse 13 blows some of those arguments up. Not only do we see the resurrected Jesus, because in, in chapter 23, you see him really die. You see him breathe his last. I mean, the man Jesus actually died. Crucifixion wasn't an um, a, a execution style that people played with. The, to, execution of, of crucifixion was the worst way a person could die. You were hanging, and then at some point, while bleeding and, and hanging there on the, on the cross, your lungs would collapse and you were no longer able to breathe. And then you would get stabbed with the spear and the blood and the water would come out to confirm your death. And it says in the text, and it was then that he breathed his last. And King Jesus actually died on that moment for our sins because our sins required a debt payment of death. The wages of sin is death. I'm grateful that I don't have to die for my sins because Jesus did. Amen. Right? And so what happened is he was buried in the grave, and then he rises from the grave just like he said he would. And here we find him seven miles from Jerusalem. What doesn't make any sense to me is that how, how Jesus could die on, on, on Friday and um, all of a sudden take a seven-mile walk on Sunday. 
I mean, when I'm in good shape, it's hard for me to take a seven-mile walk. Can I get an amen from somebody? You're going to tell me that Jesus was crucified on the cross, stabbed with a spear in his side, and then, hey, it's been a crazy weekend. Let's take a walk. That theory doesn't work. Like, I, like this, is the next, this is really, this is close. This is just the next day. He's up, and he's on the move with these two men. This seven-mile journey would have a miracle in it. Verse 14, they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. I'm grateful for the fact that Jesus not only died and rose, but he's with us. He's with regular people who don't have it all figured out. He's with people that miss it from time to time. He's with sinful people who are trying to find a way to make it through the day. Jesus says, let me walk with you. Put yourself in there shoes. He is with us. But don't be so surprised at the with us language. Is this not what he told us in Matthew chapter one when he was born? You guys know Jesus has a nickname. Do y'all know what it is? Emmanuel, right? Look at Matthew one with me. It says, behold. Everybody say behold. Y'all know what behold means? It means hold up. Hey, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which means, in the parentheses, and I didn't put those parentheses in there, that's in the text, which means God with us. Those three words, those three words make the devil shudder. God with us. Where do you find your confidence? You find your confidence in this, God's with me. The one who rose from the dead is with me. The one who actually looked death in the face and said, I'm going to win this battle, is with me. What can I do? This is the reason why the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4.13 can write to the Philippian church and he can say this. Come on, say it with me. Ready, set, go. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I think sometimes if we're not careful, we'll say, I I can do some things. Like I can go to church on Sunday. I can go, maybe I'm really spiritual. I'll go to charge group, small group. I'll even go to Wednesday prayer gathering occasionally because I can do a few things. Can I just tell you, no, you can do all things through Christ who's alive and with you. He's with you. I mean, this is a big deal. Once you understand and unlock the revelation that the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is in you and with you, that gives you confidence like no other. And this is why the Apostle Paul can write in Romans 8 and say in Romans 8, 11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives and tap the person next to you and say, you, you. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. If you believe in Christ, if you know him, if you've called upon him to be your savior, the same spirit lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. You can beat an addiction because he's with you. You can walk in victory because he walked in victory. You can say no to sin and yes to him because he said no to sin and yes to the calling on his life. Because he's with you, you can do all things and you can be strengthened in them. If two people clap, we all clap. Amen. Come on. You know, I, I, it, I found that sometimes it's easier for me to clap on Sunday than Monday, okay? Because sometimes I forget these truths rather quick. I mean, you can go ahead and ask my wife or ask people that are closest to me. They'll verify that sometimes I'm a little clumsy. I can see my mom over here shaking her head, right? Or sometimes I'm 
I'm quick to forget stuff, even that's very close. I had this moment recently where I was, I was talking on the phone, with, actually with Vashon. I was driving on my way to the office. We were having this phone call, and I've been working on some stuff to try to, to try, just try to stay a little bit more organized. I got a little sign by my door. I leave the house that says, keys, wallet, phone. Keys, wallet, phone. Don't ever leave home without your keys, wallet, phone. I had to make a jingle, right, to try to remember because if you leave one of those things, you're off, right? So I got, I got to have all three. I got to, I got, all right, I'm good, okay? And lately, I've been struggling to keep track of my AirPods. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Those little baby earphone things? Those things will just lose, disappear on you. You'll be like, hold up, I know I had it. And so I've been trying to make sure on occasion, I'll just glance in my little, open up the little case and be like, okay, they're in there. Whew. I'm all right. Well, I had this moment the other day when I was at the office. Before I went into the office, I was like, let me make sure my AirPods are in there. And they were gone. And so here's what I started to do. I said, I'm about to flip this whole car around. They're in here. And y'all know that little crease in between the driver's seat and that little glove? And it's, it's just too skinny. Try to put your hand in it. Your watch gets stuck. Your arm, you, you cut yourself. Now you're bleeding. You see a little French fry down there. You want to grab it. You know, there's a cheetah. There's a quarter down there. You're like, I need that quarter. You know, I'm, I'm certain that that earphone is down there. I see something kind of white. It was a Kleenex, right? I, I got out of the car. I'm, I'm, I, I got out of the car. I pull out my phone. I got the flashlight. I'm looking under the thing. I'm finding all types of stuff. It's not under my driver's seat. I'm getting frustrated. Hold on, Bashan. Give me a moment. I got to find these AirPods. I go into the other side. Surely it's in this passenger side. They must have flew off at some point, or my keys were over there, so they're going to be there. I'm finding different stuff. Finally, it's about five minutes later, and I'm sitting there, and I'm frustrated. And I know what y'all are thinking. I slowly, <laughs> grab them out of my ears, and place them gently in the case, and walked into the office in my shame, all right? You know, I had a similar moment recently last week as well, right? Last week, I got a chance to go to the altar conference. It was a men's conference. It was powerful. Some of our brothers came to the conference. Uh, we were leaning in, growing deeper. Derek Carr was, was challenging men to, to be husbands and leaders and fathers and, and the men of God that were called to be, and it was so powerful. I missed the first night because I was out of town. So the next day, the session was starting at 3 p.m. I got there at 3.02. Sometimes you're late, all right? No judgment. Just means I was frustrated because I was trying not to miss the worship set, so I'm scurrying there. Of course, there's a line to get in because it's paid parking. So I get up to the window. Lady right there, I roll the window down. She's like, $10 for parking. I said, $10? You guys take Apple Pay? Nope. Found myself a card. She said, cash only, sir. I said, who carries cash? Let's make a deal. Right? She said, sir, you got to pay that 10 if you want to come in here. So I made this random U-turn. I said, fine. Made this random U-turn, and then in my distance, I see 7-Eleven. Come on, somebody. Pull over to the 7-Eleven. I'm late. I jump into the 7-Eleven. Y'all know what happens at 7-Eleven. You got to get an Icy. You know, you got to get some Pringles. You know, you got to get some Cheetos, right? You start, got to get a Reese's. So I got all this stuff. Should I get water? I'm kind of like a sparkling water guy. You know, I don't really know. I, 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 put it, I put it all up on the register. I'm like, all right, ring me up for all this stuff. Spend way too much money. And I say, all right, just give me $10 in cash back. We'll be good. Says, Sorry, sir, we're not doing cash back today. I said, you're not doing cash back today. I just bought all this stuff. So you can use our ATM machine. It's going to charge you a fee of probably about the same amount you're going to withdraw, right? 
So I stomp over there. Of course, there's a line. It's probably another bunch of guys like me that didn't, know, didn't prepare. I'm in the line. I'm waiting. Everybody's like guarding their pin, like, don't watch me, bro. I'm not, I'm not watching you. I'm trying to get to the conference. Finally get up, disgruntled, grab my $20 bill, have to buy something else. I just need a $10 bill. That's all I'm asking for. I get the $10 in cash. I make my way back to the Thomas Mac. I drive right up to that same lady, roll my window down and say, here's my 10. Said, here's your parking pass. I go, I park, and right before I get ready to get out, I open up my glove compartment. There's a $10 bill right there. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you guys something. The Holy Spirit, who's so close, he whispered something into my spirit, and here's what he whispered. He said, everything you need, you already have. Everything you need, you already have. What if today everything that you need to win in life, you already have with you? What if the things that you feel like you're missing, you actually already have with you? If you were to stop and take a look and recognize and pray and feel and open, I actually have what I need. I have what I need. If you don't do that, you're going to be like me, working really hard to try to find something that you have with you. You'll start pursuing things and going to 7-Eleven and buying a bunch of junk to try to fulfill something that you actually already have in Jesus. You'll start working really hard and tapping and lifting up other rocks and, hey, calling somebody, can you help me? I need this. I need that. I need to smoke this. I need to drink that. I need to click on this. I need to watch that. Trying to fill something that's only found in the one who's actually with you. His name is Jesus. He died. He rose. And he's with us. Sometimes I just need to remember, hold up, he's with me right now. He's in the car with me. He's at home with me. He's up here with me. He's in the locker room with me. He's with me. God is with us. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we can rise too, and he is with us. And friend, that's good news, amen? That's a good reminder. I needed that this morning. Hopefully it's helpful for you as well. Let me give you the second point. We're going to move fast. Everybody say second point. Second point is simply this. Jesus is alive and he's in the word. He's alive and he's in the word. The thing that's startling about this is that Jesus says, let me take you guys on a Bible study. Let me, let's look at it in Luke 24. We're going to move fast. He said to them, oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. What is not necessary? Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into this glory? Let me highlight this first part for a second. I want to highlight that because this statement is big. Everybody say big. big. Here's why it's big. Because, like I had mentioned, many have tried to discredit the Old Testament or discredit the words of the prophets. But a statement like this is a verification statement that Jesus believes the prophets. Like, in this one statement, Jesus is putting his validation on the left side of your Bible. The Old Testament is equally as important as the New Testament. In fact, Jesus is saying, oh foolish ones, you won't even recognize me if you don't know what they've said about me. In fact, at this moment, the New Testament wasn't, being, wasn't even written. The Old Testament's all that you had. And Jesus is verifying that. And then he, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, 
He interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Many scholars and historians believe that Moses was the one who wrote the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible. Well, in the fall, you find Adam and Eve make a mistake, fall into the temptation of the serpent, and then God himself rebukes the serpent, the enemy. And here's what God says to the serpent. He says, one day there will be a seed that comes from the woman, and that seed will crush your head to the serpent. Who's that seed? That's King Jesus, amen? I believe Jesus said, you know, listen, I'm alive and I'm in the word. You can find me in this book. Friend, I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you to get in this book. You can read this book. Anybody who I've ever seen have a profound impact for the kingdom of God first had a love relationship with the word of God. Like, you can read this book. Like, here's my challenge. Don't go a whole nother year and come back next Easter and still be the same. Come back, come back next Sunday, ready to grow deeper in the word, amen? Right, he's alive and he's in the word. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. Hebrews 4.12 is one of my favorite verses. It says the word of God is, come on one more time, and the book is living. Harry Potter's not living. No shade, I'm not condemning Harry Potter. Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm just saying, it's a book, but it's not an alive book. And there's no other book that's living. There's only one book that can claim to be supernaturally alive and still active. If you start reading the Bible faithfully, the living word from the living God will activate in your life. It will open things up for you. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and spirit. Joints of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Sometimes people ask me, how did you go so quickly in your walk with Jesus? I said, I got hungry for the word. That's it. There's a lot more, there's a lot more spiritual disciplines to put into practice. But I'll tell you what, if you're hungry for the word, ooh, you can go far because Jesus himself says he is the word. He's with us. The word became flesh. The word put skin on. His name's Jesus. Let me give you the third point. Everybody say third. Third, third point. Not only is Jesus alive and in the word, but he's alive and he's willing. Hear me, brothers and sisters. Jesus is alive and he is willing. What do I mean by that? Let's look at it in the text. He's willing. They drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further. I got, I got somewhere to go, guys. Uh, you guys have a good day. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went and stayed with them. Can I just tell you Jesus is willing? If you want to hang with Jesus, he'll hang with you. If you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. If you lean into God, he'll lean back with you. I want to encourage you today on this Easter message, that same Jesus who rose from the grave is really wanting to spend time with you. I don't know why. I don't know why he wants to spend time with me, but he really does. He always makes time. We might be in a rush. He's never in a rush. We wake up. He's waiting there ready to talk. We go to sleep. He's right there ready to listen. You get in your car. He's right there in the passenger seat. Let's talk. Let me help you today. Let me walk with you today. In fact, let me set the course for your day. He is willing. This is the same message Jesus spoke to the disciples in the garden. We talked about the garden of Gethsemane on Friday. Let's look at it. Mark chapter 14. Jesus says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. 
This is a little side nugget. Come on, somebody catch this. Someone catch it. Let me just see you catch it. Catch this side nugget. If you want to win against temptation, be prayed up. Jesus says, let me give you a quick bar. Hey, watch and pray. You won't enter into temptation. I found that the temptation that I enter into is often because I wasn't prayed, like, prayed up like I could have been, should have been. And he says this, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That phrase is so good right there. The spirit of God is so willing. Our flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing to go farther. And so I would just challenge you today to invite Jesus in. I mean, what better news could it be that, than he wants to come in? You can have as much of God as you want. The gospel and the resurrection teach us that you can have as much of Jesus as you desire of Jesus. He is willing. One more verse, James chapter 4, and we're almost done. Come on, let's read it together. Ready, set, go. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's a promise. Resist him, and watch the devil leave and find somebody else. Verse 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's a promise. I just made that challenge to you. I want to do it again. We have the three-week challenge where if you come to walk for um, one one week, maybe this is your first week, I want to challenge you to come back two more weeks. It takes three weeks to make it a a big decision. I want to encourage you to come back. But let me give you a one-year challenge. Come back next Easter, and my friend, I pray that you come back better than ever. I pray that you come back, you're hungrier than ever. I pray that you come back because you've been drawn near to God and he's been drawn near to you, you came in different. I mean, my prayer is that it doesn't take till next Easter. I want to see you next week where we do a champion ascending to heaven on Ascension Sunday. Oh, that's just a little trailer for next week. Come on back, brother, sister. Come on, right? You can have as much God as you want. Why? Because he's willing because he's willing. Fourth and final point. Come on, worship team. Help me close. Worship team, help me close. We got to go. We got an Easter lunch to get to. Come on. I get it. I'm with you. Make sure you t- snap a pic outside of the Easter booth. Point number four, Jesus is alive and he's working. He's working. Jesus is alive. He's with us. He's in the word. He's willing. And oh, he's at work. He's at work in your life. He's at work in my life. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. And behold, everybody say behold, Behold. I'm sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Jesus rises from the grave and then he gives this promise. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to be with you, to comfort you, to help you, to teach you, to bring things to remembrance, to convict you of sin and then to empower you to defeat sin. He's going to give you power from high. He's going to work in your life. Right? Faith without works is dead. What's the work? The work is the spirit that, that, that does the work through us. The Holy Spirit's at work. I wonder if the Holy Spirit, who was always there, he's always existed, but I wonder if he was, when Jesus rose from the grave, I wonder if the Holy Spirit like suited up like, all right, I'm really about to tap in. As Jesus ascends to heaven, right? I'm not going to get too much into next week. But the Holy Spirit then begins to empower the church and the Holy Spirit begins to lead through the church and work through his body. We're the hands, we're the feet, we're the legs, the eyes. Come on. We're the mouth. 
wants to work in you. He wants to work through you. Because he's alive, he's doing it. And so I would, in, I would encourage you right now to, to allow Jesus to continue his work in you. Come back next week. Press into Jesus today. Open back up the book. Draw near to him. He really wants to work in your life. If you haven't believed in his work, that he died for your sins, he rose from the grave, that's his work. If you haven't made that your own, if you haven't received him as your savior, I want to give you a chance to do that right now. To say, Jesus, I receive your finished work and I ask you now to work in my life. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Lord, we just ask you right now in Jesus' name, to continue your work in us. And thank you for starting the work among us. Thank you that long before we were born, you died for us and you rose from the grave. Because you're alive, there's nothing we can't do. God, help us when we're forgetful. Help us when we lose track of the resurrection. Remind us that everything we need, we already have. Oh, Jesus, we need you. Oh, Jesus, we have you. So if you're here right now and you have yet to receive him, I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me if you're ready by faith. It's not the words of this prayer that save you. It's faith in Jesus that saves you. Here's a prayer that you can pray. Just call on his name right now. Just say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the Lord of my life. I believe you're the Savior and Messiah. I believe you died for all of my sins. I believe you rose from the grave believe you're coming again. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Change me. Save me. Forgive me. Free me. I'm ready to walk. I'm new. I love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we just thank him?